Hello and welcome back to the Excel in Retirement Show. I'll share with you three conflicts you have in your IRA and I'll tell you how to get a free book called the No Compromise Retirement Plan in this show. Well, here we are for show number nine of the Excel in Retirement show, and I am excited and thankful to have you here with us. I am David Treese, and my goal is to distill a couple financial planning ideas that could help you excel in retirement. You can reach me by calling 864-618-4800, or you can email me at david at clientsexcel.com. Before we get into what we're talking about today, I just want to go over a few current events. CNBC interviewed billionaire Mark Cuban recently. He's the guy who owns the Dallas Mavericks, and he made it big in the dot-com era. He sold a tech company for a whopping $5.7 billion in 1999. Monday, Cuban compared the stock market's big run-up from its late March coronavirus lows to the 1990s tech frenzy. He said, on a bigger picture, it's so similar. Everybody is a genius in a bull market, but don't get greedy. Also, CNBC ran a headline Sunday that reads, Wealthy Americans have less doubt about a market rally in the economy, but they still fear stock investing. Here are the bullet points from the article. The Dow and the S&P 500 just completed the third straight week of gains. J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon said this week after second quarter earnings, we simply don't know what will happen next with the U.S. economy. Sentiment has improved among investors with more than $1 million in brokerage account uh, growth, but fears about coronavirus, the presidential election, interest rates, valuations are keeping the wealthy from putting more cash to work in stocks, according to an E-Trade Financial Quarterly Survey. But as, as coronavirus cases have continued to cr increase in July and polling has showed increased support for Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden, many among affluent investors remain unconvinced that they should continue to add risk to their stocks. So this brings up an interesting point because Biden has stated he would roll the Trump tax breaks back, meaning our window to transition money to tax-free at historically low rates may be coming to an end sooner rather than later. So, for today's topic, I want to introduce you to a new voice in today's show. He's an author and an actuary. His name is Martin Ruby, and he wrote the book, The No Compromise Retirement Plan. I've been digging into his book, and he brings out some really interesting points that even I had not thought of. So, I want to share those takeaways with you uh, from the book, and I'll tell you how to get this book for free at the end of the show. But before we get started, let's talk about what an actuary is. Let's define some terms. Actuaries are experts in assessing and reducing risk. Wouldn't it be nice to have one of those for your retirement accounts? Actuaries use math, stats, and very complex analysis to determine true risk, and they show how to minimize them. So, for example, our car insurance companies use actuaries to determine our car insurance rates. They look at our personal situation in tons of different ways, like our age, driving record, where we live, and a whole host of different factors to determine the appropriate price that we should pay for car insurance. That's an actuary's job. Ruby states in his book, your IRA is full of risk. In fact, 
Saving for the future is one of the most significant financial risks most of us take in our lifetime. So I think you may understand why listening to what an actuary has to say about retirement planning can be really beneficial. He goes on to state actuaries love numbers. The things about numbers is they don't lie. They are absolute. Much of the information in this show that I'm going to continue to share will be from the No Compromise Retirement Plan book. And don't forget, I'll tell you how to get that book for free here in a few minutes. Here's what I really like. Any financial undertaking held up to the light of analysis by applied actuarial science will have a much better chance of succeeding than one without such benefit. This holds doubly true for retirement planning. So who would not want that level of care given to their retirement income planning? I know I would. We all experience risk in various different aspects of our life. For example, when driving a car, we deal with risk by putting on our seatbelt. This mitigates the potential damage a crash may have to us, to our body. We don't want to go flying through the windshield. Or we may put on a hat or sunscreen when we're going outside because we don't want to get sunburned. Shouldn't we use that same level of mitigation when it comes to the risk in our retirement plans? So the three conflicts in our IRAs. Most of us have bought into the idea of saving for retirement by using tax-deferred accounts. But we didn't really choose to do this. It was an option we probably had at an employer where we used to work. And then we heard something about it on TV or heard about it on the radio, and it was affirmed by that means. This is the norm, right? And there's nothing inherently flawed with tax-deferred accounts. Tax-deferred accounts have a role in retirement planning. And I've mentioned in past shows that we want to have enough in our tax-deferred accounts to stay under the provisional income limits so that our required minimum distributions don't increase our taxes on our Social Security. Go back to show number eight if you want to learn more about how the IRS determines our provisional income and how it impacts Social Security. We want to keep as much of our Social Security payments in our pockets as possible. And in show number eight, I told you how to uh, do that. So the three conflicts, let's summarize them first. The first one is growth first protection. So this is the desire for your funds to grow so you have enough income in retirement and a desire for your funds to stay protected so they won't be wiped out in the next market crash. So he, there's a trade-off, right? We, What I call this is productive growth. We want to limit our downside potential and this can be very important in retirement, especially if you're taking income off of your portfolio. It can be hard to recover our losses that if, if we're drawing our money down in a down market. That's why it's so important to have a portion of your portfolio invested in financial products that cannot lose value. That's where we want to draw income from in down markets. And that could be a whole show right there. But for brevity's sake, let's keep moving. In summary, the second point is income versus legacy. The desire to use your funds for living expenses in retirement and the desire to leave your funds as a legacy for your children, grandchildren, or your favorite charity maybe. This can be tough. We all want our children to be better off than we are. At least I do. So one way to jumpstart our kids is to leave them an inheritance, right? And as a Christian, I find this particularly interesting. In Proverbs 13, the Bible states, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. 
I think it's very commendable and wise to want to help your family. I know that's certainly one of my goals, but we're going to come back to this here in a minute. But point number three is you versus the IRS. The desire to use your retirement account as income and the government's desire to get its portion of the account through taxes. These three conflicts in your IRA have a bigger impact on your living standards in retirement than almost anything else. This is what the book goes over in the first portion. portion. Yet most of us have never tried to overcome them. We assume it's a necessity, a necessity to accommodate them and to plan around them, but it's not. It's not a necessity. We don't have to accommodate them. So we want to rely on level heads, not talking heads, right? So when this is a story that was outlined in the book, when people ask me what I mean by thinking outside the box, I'm reminded of a story from the 1900s where an automobile was just being introduced. A spokesman for Daimler-Benz was asked about the future of cars. Just how scalable was this new invention? The spokesman thought inside the box because here was his answer. There will never be a mass market for motor cars because, because there is a limit on the number of chauffeurs available. He was stuck in the box where every car needed a chauffeur, and he couldn't visualize himself outside the box or the situation outside the box where individuals would enjoy driving themselves. He couldn't see the personal automobile this way. The same is true with saving today. Too many of us are saying, I accept the limitations of these strategies because these strategies are the way people save. It's just the reality of saving. But I believe you're here learning and discovering ideas that are outside the sphere of what most people are doing because maybe like me, you see some problems with what's going on here in our country. Congress is coming back to session this week to debate further COVID-19 relief bills and various economic aid packages. And I've got to tell you, my heart hurts for the families that have been impacted by our current financial downturn. But at the end of the day, we have to understand that the government is already vastly overextended. And for our purposes on the show, we're discussing strategies to deal with the coming ramifications of the government's overspending. This is not if if this isn't on our radar as we're entering retirement the the and the potential for higher taxes it could really upend your retirement aspirations. So going back to point number 1, conflict number 1 is growth versus security. What are we talking about? The first place most people look for growth is in the stock market, but the stock market isn't what it was in the past. The 1990s are gone. And Ruby in his book referred to those as the feel-good years. For the next 20 years, the stock market has been on a major roller coaster. Did you know from March of 2002 to October of 2002, the NASDAQ lost 78% of its value. The S&P 500 lost 40% of its value. The running joke back then was your 401k turned into a 201k. So... But it came back, thank goodness, right? From 2002 to 2008, things were going better, but then the real estate bubble burst. Then we, then it, by last year, in 2019, we were at all-time highs for the S&P 500. But the point of me telling you all this is not to alarm you, it's to help you understand how to allocate your portfolio. Here's something some people may not realize. From 2000 to 2019, the S&P 500 returned an average of 6.06. 6. 
all the volatility and riding the roller coaster up and down for 6%. And don't forget that that's before your fees coming out of your 401k or your IRA. So that's not what you're netting. One reason it was only 6% growth after 20 years is if you were fully invested in the market from 2000 to 2009, what do you think you earned? You would have earned a negative 1% on average for nine years, nearly a decade. And boy, does that hurt. Here's why the stock market's crashes hurt so bad. If you lose 10% of your money, you have to make 11% to break even. If you, if you lose 25%, you need 33 to break even. If you lose 40%, you've got to make a 67% return. And here's the kicker. If you lose 50% of your money, you have to make a 100% return to break even. And that just takes a lot of time often to, to be able to make that kind of money. In today's market, to get diversification, you have to give up a lot of growth. That's a core conflict in your IRA. And near 0% interest rates have really been an exacerbator to this situation over the last 20 years. And remember, the reason that interest rates are so low is because the government needs them to be so low in order to service its whopping $26.5 trillion. And many pundits are saying that we could have $30 trillion of national debt by the end of 2020. And with Congress back in session debating more economic stimulus relief or bills or so forth, I could easily see that. So between 2011 and 2013, the gross federal uh, debt rose more than $3 trillion. Between 2011 and 2013, we went up $3 trillion. If interest rates had just been 1% higher during that time, the government would owe an additional $30 billion of interest each year. So additional $90 billion of interest. So the first conflict in your IRA is growth versus security. It's hard to have growth and security. The savers dilemma, invest in the market, take big risks, and maybe get growth, or park it in the bank and safely go broke. So the second conflict is income versus legacy. This is an interesting one because we all have to have income to live. Just because we retire and we quit getting a traditional paycheck doesn't mean our bills quit coming. There are a couple primary ways people will likely use their IRA retirement savings. Medical costs associated with aging is sometimes a big one. The book states it may surprise you to learn that a healthy 65-year-old could spend nearly $400,000 out of pocket on medical expenses in retirement. Then we all have those routine expenses that come up like a new roof or a new car. So if we want our IRA to provide an inheritance and expenses, our IRA has a major conflict. Ruby writes, the risk to your loved ones is dying too soon, but the risk to your savings is living too long. So the dilemma is how much will you spend and how much will you be able to pass on? So conflict number three is you versus the IRS. With the IRA your quali or qualified accounts, part of that money is not ours. We have to remember that. The government has given us a loan with unspecified terms. When we are working, we got a tax break. That was great for us. And we placed our money in maybe a 401k or some sort type of tax deferred account. And we didn't know what tax rates would be when we began drawing money out. It could have been 
percent. It could have been 25 or it might even be 50 percent when we're ready to draw money out of our tax deferred account. Congress can change the terms at any time with legislative action. Ruby states it's time to start thinking of the IRS as our silent partner with our IRA. And the book gets into the great American savings myth. American savers believe the money in their qualified accounts is theirs to spend, but it's not. Not all of it anyway. And this mistake is one of the costliest. You must incorporate tax planning in your retirement planning. It's no longer enough to ensure that your retirement funds are diversified when it comes to asset allocation. They must also be diversified when it comes to tax status. So we've made it a focus at Clients Excel at our firm to emphasize tax-efficient income planning. What this does is look at your assets and it looks to generate the most after-tax income as possible. This is what we are passionate about. This is where you can get excited. We want to help you save money and when with a plan we prepare, we can get you started with this. All of our great financial planning and asset allocation strategies may be less effective if we end up paying more of our money in taxes than we had planned for. So how does this work? With tax-free accounts, you pay taxes on the money before it goes into the account. Then when the money comes out later, it's completely tax-free. And we've gone over in previous shows what tax-free accounts are, but I'll review here. The first place we want to look is Roth IRA conversions. When we have money, uh, when we put as much money in Roth IRA conversions, we'll begin looking at permanent life insurance, not for the death benefit, but for the tax-free benefits. And uh, I've outlined this on some previous shows. This money will be immunized against future taxes. And it's not like we have to like life insurance. We just have to like life insurance a little bit more than we like paying the IRS. So it just makes sense that a portion of your money should be growing tax-free. The tax deferral in your IRA isn't a gift. The government is giving you a very expensive loan to avoid paying taxes today. To end this show, let me tell a story that Ruby gives in the books. He said his parents were of the greatest generation, that Great Depression era, World War II generation, and they had different ideas about retirement than baby boomers do. For example, when his parents retired, they started buying generic cola to drink at home and cut back on eating out and met friends at McDonald's for coffee instead of at McDonald's for lunch. Ruby, on the other hand, is a baby boomer. He states when he retires, he and his wife are planning to travel back to Scotland and enjoy the new chic neighborhood they moved to recently and explore all it has to offer. So baby boomers have a different mentality is what he's trying to say. And they often look at retirement as not a time to cut back, but they want to maintain their current lifestyle. For this reason, many people that are baby boomers won't be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. They'll be drawing their qualified IRA money out and increasing their taxes in order to maintain their lifestyle. And this is just one explanation for why most people's taxes won't be lower in retirement. Any way you slice it, in my humble opinion, we would all benefit by using tax-efficient financial planning when it comes to retirement planning. If you'd like to speak more about this or your particular situation, feel free to call me at 864-618-4800, or you can always email me at david at clientsexcel.com. 
Also, if you'd like a copy of Martin Ruby's book, The No Compromise Retirement Plan, we've talked about here today, shoot me an email at david at clientsexcel.com and I'll drop a free copy in the mail to you. That's our show for today, folks. Next week, we'll be explaining a topic that impacts nearly every retired person, Medicare. We'll look at the ins and outs of Medicare, the history of it, and how it works and what to look out for. Thank you for being here and see you next week. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management and Clients Excel are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. Any reference to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the insuring carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It's not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet particular needs of an individual situation. Clients Excel is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Clients Excel. The use of logos and or trademarks of podcast hosting sites are the property of their respective owners and are not an endorsement by those owners of our firm or our program.